Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and for our conversation about Psalm 71, I am delighted to have Dr. Libby Backfish back on the podcast. In this episode, we talk about the way that age plays itself out in this psalm, the references to both youth and old age. We talk about the many images and metaphors that we are given for God in this psalm. And of course, we talk about a whole lot more. I always appreciate Libby's wisdom, and I'm sure you will too. To get us started, here's Libby reading Psalm 71. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. To this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see the troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I whom you have delivered, my tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Libby, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thank you for having me. Well, it is our pleasure. Are being the listeners. I'm, I'm <laughs> speaking on their behalf here. <laughs> but very glad to get to talk about this psalm. You came in and you said you're almost halfway through, which it would be a big day, I think, when we hit Psalm 75. But we are, it, we're making progress yes. getting there. And grateful for your recurring voice helping us along the way. <laughs> so maybe we could just dive right in. I'm always curious what stood out to you in reading this psalm. Yeah, a lot of things stood out to me. I haven't really explored this psalm in depth, so I felt like I got to kind of approach it with fresh eyes. Yeah. But one thing I saw was the attention to age in this mm. psalm. The psalmist is looking back at God's 
care for him when he or she was a youth, and then also looking forward to old age a couple times. So in verse nine, we have, do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Verse 18, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I tell the next generation, etc. So what struck me is that in a sense, the psalmist knows that God is going to be with him and carry him through old age. Like that Mm. was just so known to the Israelites. And yet you have this almost like kind of anxiety of, you know, he knows something, but he also wants to ensure Mm. that God is going to continue to make good on those promises and be the God that he knows that he will be. Yeah. So I found that pretty striking. Yeah. I mean, the same thing. If you look at my notes, I've got the exact same thing. All the different ages pictured in the psalm. It it jumps off the page Mm -hmm. to you, doesn't it? One of the questions, maybe you can help me here or we can puzzle through together, is I was trying to work out where the psalmist is in relationship to these ages. So it's Mm. very clearly not young, Mm -hmm. but like the combination of verse 9 and 10 and 11 had me trying to work out, is he closer to old age? Because to just read those again, do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken me. Picks up the same language. So then I was like, wait, is he old? Is he not? Is the psalmist not old? Is this, like yeah. I was trying to puzzle that through. I'm curious if you have any kind of. Yeah, you get the feeling that his enemies recognize that he's aging and he's Mm. losing strength. Mm. And they're saying, oh, yeah, God's not going to protect you now. Yeah. So, yeah, I would guess that the psalmist is approaching old age, maybe. And I've read different commentators who have different ideas. Some think that he's fully in old age and some think he's just looking forward to it. But it seems like he's on the cusp of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's helpful. But even I think the enemies there, you know, as I think about it, in some sense, it's helpful for our imaginative kind of entering of the space. In another sense, there's an implication of sort of almost like the enemies are always going to be claiming the same thing mm. about it. Like whether young, whether old, like the the enemies are coming and going to be saying God has forsaken him. Let's go after him. Let's seize him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of part of the prayer is I need your enduring faithfulness. You know, don't forsake me just as you haven't forsaken me when I'm young. So don't forsake me now. So don't forsake me when, you know, I'm fully old and gray Mm -hmm. to use the language of verse 18. Yeah. Yeah. We've kind of already started, I think, talking about our second question a little bit, but we might as well kind of dive into it fully as we talk about God's faithfulness or what this or anything else that kind of strikes you about what we learn or encounter about God from this psalm. Yeah, so I was struck by all the images and the metaphors for trust. Mm. So that God is a refuge, he's a fortress, he's a rock. It's just emphatic, especially in the first like seven verses there. And it made me, reflecting on it, it made me so grateful that God gives us these word pictures. Because we can think abstractly about his trustworthiness and that he'll protect us from enemies and old age and all these things. But to be able to visualize like a fortress yeah, or like in modern times, we might think of like a bomb shelter. Mm. That just gives me something to latch on to, especially when we feel vulnerable as the psalmist is feeling vulnerable. If the psalmist isn't feeling like he or she's in a literal fortress, but yeah. needs to be reminded that they are. Yeah. And then another metaphor, which in, enhances the the protection imagery is in verse six from birth I have relied to you you brought me forth from my mother's womb which mm. makes me think of a midwife and just yeah. how like a baby is helpless and a midwife brings this baby into the world you know yeah. giving it life bring and giving it safety and catching it 
And we see this in uh, like Isaiah and some other places in scripture where God is kind of likened to or assisting this um, midwife imagery. Yeah. Which is pretty intimate and mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. It makes me think, you know, like all the language that we have about God is in some sense metaphorical, mm. you know, because it's always kind of God is so other that the thought that human language completely encapsulates him and describes him perfectly. It's always kind of slipping off. Mm. But I love that God just fully leans into it instead of saying, okay, the way to describe me then is as didactic and as precise and as logical and formulaic as possible. Mm-hmm. He just says, okay, like, let me give you hundreds of other metaphors <laughs> that can help you start to get, you know, a little bit yeah. of an understanding. I do. I, I love, that's one of the things I love about the Psalms is that they're just fully leaning into you know, this this helps us understand who God is. And of course, every analogy and every metaphor breaks down at some point if you sort of stretch it and stretch mm-hmm. it. But there's deep truths in these, aren't there? I, this is maybe building on, but building on or maybe taking a different angle. But as I looked at this psalm, I was struck by verse 20 in this question about what we learn about God. Though you have made me see mm-hmm. troubles. Mm-hmm. And then to be clear what they are, many and bitter you will restore my life again. Mm, yeah. And it's an interesting verse. It, it feels like it contrasts with a lot of what kind of the rest of the psalm is saying. You kind of have these enemies set up as maybe the the purveyors of bitter troubles, so to speak. And yet there's this moment where the psalmist looks back and says, God, God has some degree of involvement mm-hmm. in these troubles. And we're butting up against kind of the mystery of God's providence and God's sovereignty, if we're using kind of theological language here. But I just thought that's so interesting. And there's a way in which I think we could read that and be like, oh, like, is God some kind of vindictive God of like, he's the one who was behind the troubles. Like he's the puppet master, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to trust all in that God. Me. Yeah. yeah. And I think the rest of the Psalm really helpfully is, you know, pushing back against any assumption that we would make that that's what the Psalmist is saying. But there's a way to hear this that's deeply comforting. In other words, though you have made me see many troubles, the fact that God sees sees those troubles and it knows the troubles that we have seen means that he's not distant from them. Mm. Insofar as he's involved in them, he doesn't sort of send them from far off and sort of like, you know, unleashes the enemies and then turns his face away such that there's an intimacy of God's knowledge of what we go through mm-hmm. that then our cry out to him is heard and he answers I, that's one of the kind of my initial thoughts as I'm wrestling with kind of the mystery of of the language there. But I wonder if you have any additional. Yeah, that I think that's beautiful to see the positive aspect of God's sovereignty in the psalmist's troubles. That yeah. there's something comforting about that. And it's not just a theological statement that God is ultimately sovereign over all of right. these things. But there's something deeply comforting over the fact that he's not hidden away or just, yeah, sending cronies out to, to, to harm us. He's like <laughs> right. right there sovereign over it. Yeah. I, I, it feels critical to the you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. Like, you know exactly where I am. You know what needs restoration. Mm-hmm. There's no surprise, in other words to God of, oh dear, wow, you really got in trouble there. <laughs> Here, <laughs> I'm coming. That. <laughs> like, oh, got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so, but it was just an interesting, you know, I think the, the language requires such care because, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kinds of theological pitfalls that we can mm-hmm. step into when we start talking about God's sovereignty. And the psalmist just is very comfortable saying both 
listen, I have enemies you need to deliver me from. This is not good. And I trust that you will. And please do this quickly. And also, Lord, you have you have made me see these troubles. You, you have involvement in this. Mm-hmm. And there's um, no blame on God at all. There's no, no sense that this is unfair or that this has tainted God's character. At yeah, all. that's a really good point. Yeah, it, it is not accusational. Mm-hmm. It is just, it does strike me that it is the tone of someone looking back who has both seen the troubles and also has the experience of seeing God's restoration and God's faithfulness such that, okay, now I have to sit and these two come together in some beautiful way. Yeah, which ties into the psalmist's reflection on age. It's mm-hmm. very reflective. The psalmist is really looking back at his life, looking forward in his life in a deeply introspective way. Yeah. Which is challenging to me because I'm not a very introspective person. <laughs> so it, it reminds me that that's, that's a helpful practice in prayer. Yeah. Yeah, the psalms are going to force you to be a little introspective, mm-hmm. aren't they? The more, yeah, the more yeah, time you it's spend good. It's them. good corrective to me. <laughs> well, that's a nice segue even into our last question. How does this psalm help us to pray? Yeah. What struck me in terms of prayer is verse 15. And it says, My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. And mm. that last line there, though I know not how to relate them all, just struck me as so humble <laughs> and, yeah. and so much of an example of what it looks like to rest in God as a refuge. I get paid every day, all day to tell of God's righteous deeds. Like I'm supposed to teach people <laughs> and I never do it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's comforting to know that here, the psalmist, who is also a professional theologian, can't relate them all either. And yeah. so that just, it gives me comfort to know that when we pray to God and come to God, we're coming as imperfect people. Mm-hmm. We can't do what he's called us to do perfectly and that there's safety and, and refuge in that. Yeah. Last night I had a small group and we were talking about prayer and sort of the postures of prayer. And we were talking about one of the elements of a complete posture of prayer is humility. Mm. And this, I think you see this here, right? There's sort of, I fall short. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, I can't even pray fully and perfectly in the ways that I might want to. So I love that, Libby. I was, I was thinking about, you know, regardless of where the psalmist is in sort of their journey of age, this psalm, when it's taken up into the prayer book of God's people, is put on the lips of people of all ages, hmm. including children, including people kind of in the prime of life. And I thought it's so interesting then. Like I think of myself, I don't think of myself as particularly old. Uh, You're not old. So thank you. Thank you for that <laughs> affirmation. That's really, I was, this is just a softball. You needed that. <laughs> <laughs> but then for me to pray, do not cast me away mm-hmm. when I am old. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. Till I declare your power to the next generation. I thought, hmm, my, my, I think often my prayers are have a future orientation, but they are usually short term. Mm-hmm. In other words, Lord, help me with this thing that's happening in the next, you know, three days, or I have this situation that's currently in my life. Mm. Please resolve it, and preferably as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're kind of they are future, but they are short term, maybe medium term sometimes. Yeah. And I thought, you know, this is. There's a way of praying this prayer that's like, it's a long-term prayer. Yeah. Like, Lord, obviously, I don't know. I don't know what my old and gray years might look like, whether I even have old and gray years, right? That's part of the mystery, and none of us know that. Whatever my future looks like, may it be marked by intimacy with you. May it do not forsake me in those days. Help me to be telling the next generation. And I think there was just something in that that I thought, huh, 
I don't pray long term for myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. You know, the longest term I pray is I pray for my kids to find godly spouses. Yeah. Maybe that's about yeah, yeah, yeah. as far out as uh-huh. I get. But it is an encouragement to think more long term. And again, that kind of gets to the introspection part, like thinking a little bit more deeply about the breadth of life. But then also I wonder, since there's a communal aspect to these prayers and kind of a liturgical aspect, if it mm. invites us to pray with our brothers and sisters who are in old age and might be having fears and worries that we aren't experiencing yet. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. No, I, yeah, I, I think we can say both confidently, right? Like it both invites us to kind of imaginatively place ourselves beyond where we are, but also brings us alongside and maybe inspires even a little bit of empathy. Yeah. Uh, like I think generations are always struggling to understand each other. And part of the beauty of a psalm like this, I think, is it helps. It's it's providing some bridges of and even what I was saying earlier of, you know, even the experience of the enemies. It's true in our youth. It's true, you know, in middle age. It's true in old age. Right. Yeah. There's a there is a, a unity of experience that we have when it comes to our, our approach to God. Yeah, and that unity and that bridging you were just talking about is explicit in verse 18, which you just read, because the psalmist isn't saying, even Mm. when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me because I don't want my body to hurt. I don't want wrinkles. Like, that's the kind of stuff I would talk about. (laughs) But he says, till I declare your power to the next generation. Yes. He wants to maintain his strength and his communion with God so that he can prepare the next generation. Mm -hmm. I just think that's so beautiful and reorienting. Because yeah. as I, this last year, I just celebrated my third anniversary of turning 39. You know? <laughs> Congratulations. And when, <laughs> and when I look into old age, I'm thinking of all the vanity, you know, like yeah. my hair, my body, my uh-huh. whatever, my, my mind. And I should be thinking of, okay, what has God given me and how can I pass that on to the next generation? How can I model taking refuge in God? There's so many more important things. And this psalm encourages me to be formed in mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. What a great note to end on, I think. <laughs> Unless there's anything else you want to add about Psalm 71. Oh, no, it, it's so good. There is, I don't know if we want to go there, but speaking of old age and just the tension of knowing what's theologically true about mm. our relationship with God and then feeling sometimes differently. Yeah. There's places in scripture where, you know, old age is celebrated mm. and like not just for wisdom and experience, but also for God's care for you. And I was struck by Isaiah 46, verse 4. It says, this is God. This is God making promises and divine oracle. Even to your old age and gray hairs, and those are the same words used in Mm. verse 18, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Like it's just emphatic, all those Mm. verbs of I'm going to carry you that image is beautiful yeah i love it you don't we don't need the the cheesy footprints poem we've got isaiah, <laughs> we've got isaiah 46 4 here it's even better well i didn't expect us to land on slandering the footprints poem <laughs> but <laughs> sorry i love that poem i do but it's just like this is even better no I, I i love that too i think that's i didn't think you could you know one up your own perfect ending spot but you've done it libby well done <laughs> Really, thanks for joining us for this conversation. It was it was a gift, and yeah, I have some introspection to do coming out of this. Myself. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, our pleasure. Let's conclude with just a couple verses once again from this psalm. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. Friends, go out and pray the psalms. 